0: Welcome to the Grace College Podcast, a ministry of Grace Bible Church located in College Station, Texas. We desire to impact students who will impact the world for Christ. Hope you enjoy the talk and hang around for more after. Thank you, guys. Give the Lord a hand to worship. Thank you so much. Hey, if you have a Bible, jump to Joshua chapter 2. That's where we're going to be this morning. Joshua chapter 2. Uh, Once again, welcome, welcome, welcome. Hope you had a great week. Lots of reason to celebrate this morning. Thursday night was a pretty good night. It's always good to go to sleep going, ah, 59, that's a good number. That's a good, it's a warm feeling going to bed on Thursday night, late, late, late. All right, Joshua chapter 2, starting in verse 1. I'm going to read a little bit for us, pray for us, and then we will jump in. Joshua chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Says this. And Joshua the son of Nun sent two men secretly from Shatem as spies, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. Sounds a little sketchy. And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men. Who, you have, who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come in search out, to search out the land. But the women had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when they, the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I did not know where the men, the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax, that she had laid in the in the order of the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fjords, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for your, um, this morning. And thank you so much. There's so much to be excited about for this new year, this new semester that you've brought us into. And but Lord, I pray that as we, as we celebrate and we're excited about what you're opening up for us in this new year, I pray that we would be um, mindful that this new step into this new semester actually brings a lot of new, amazing opportunities, and all those opportunities require faith. So Lord, I pray that as we look at your word this morning, you'd help inspire us to be people of faith. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, how many of you worked at a camp this summer? You are a camp counselor or something like that this summer. How many of you actually have been to a camp? Some sort of summer camp, some sort of camp moment. Anyone? Okay, yeah. Well, inevitably, at every camp, every camp you've been to, there's there's a moment where, where the camp counselor, who you trusted your life with, right, who you believed had your best interest in mind, whisks you off to a moment that looks something like this. Something like... This, yes, uh, where they place you on top of a pole. And there's different titles for the pole. Uh, some people call it a pamper pole. Other people call it a pole of death. Um, the leap of doom is also what I've heard it called, right? And at every camp they have this moment. They ask like these small kids to climb up this pole and, and situate yourself on the top of this cylindrical part at the top of a telephone pole. And, and, of course, they strap you in. Of course, they, you know, they, they give you headgear to, to maintain your safety. But then you're up there. And then I remember the first time I ever did this. I, I climbed my way up thinking I was brave, thinking I was strong. I got on top of the pole, and I stood there. And then I was like, okay, what's next? Like, wh- what am I doing up here? And I look over, and they're like, jump out to the bar in front of you. Now I was the first person in line, so no one had done this before me. I'm like, to the bar? Then What? Well, then you're going to let go and drop, and then we'll fall, you know, and we'll catch you on your way down. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. So my uh, best-case scenario, I catch the pole, and then I hold it for a second. Worst-case scenario, I leap, and then I'm immediately going to fall. So that's what you're telling me. And they're like, yeah, that's what we're telling you. And I'm going, who thought this through, Right? And why are you putting children through this? Like, what is the big point of this moment? In that moment, I, I, I said to myself, okay, let's, let's just try. And you're up there going like, okay, I didn't really care about the gear. I mean, I didn't understand it, but now I'm like going, is this gear safe, right? And I, I, I didn't really care about the pole until suddenly I'm standing on the pole and then my life is on the line, and I did not inspect that bar in front of me. I have no idea if that can actually catch me. And at that moment, I have to ask myself the question, do I believe in these people and this circumstance? Do I believe that, that the people here are not just dumb, right? Like, they're actually knowing what they're doing. They're setting me up for success, not for failure. Because I'll tell you what, it doesn't feel that way. It didn't feel like success. It felt dangerous and scary. And the reason I start there is because of this simple reason. We are looking at a moment in the life of Joshua and the story of the people of Israel where they're walking into a crazy moment. They're walking into a moment where they're going into a new land and God has told them, we want you to go into this land and conquer this territory and I will be with you as you go. He told Joshua, be strong, courageous. And so Joshua takes a moment to send a couple people into this journey, into this step Of faith. And I'll tell you this steps of faith are always scary. That first step of faith will always be scary, it will always be terrifying. But great journeys always begin with a single step. Lao Lao Tso says this the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. See, it takes steps of faithfulness in order to see all that God has for you. But oftentimes, those first steps actually seem terrifying. They can literally see terrifying. In fact, this moment was repeated several years previously to the nation of Israel, where they had come literally to the promised land. And at that point, Moses had sent 12 men, one from each tribe, to go into the promised land to stake it out. Numbers 13 shows, it says, that the people came back with a, with a report of what was going on. But this step of faith was literally terrifying for them to walk into. I'll tell you what, steps of faith are always scary. And the first thing that we need to see in any step of faith is this. Number one, to first step out. To step out to what God has for you. Even though it may seem scary, we need to make a first step. And the hardest step is always the first step. I have small kids. I have four small kids. And I remember when I was teaching them how to, how to walk. And it's, it's hilarious when you see these small little kids, 18 months old, 19 months old. And they first start pulling up on the sides of your couch or the sides of, of a little ottoman. And, and they pull themselves up on their little wobbly legs. And they, they can barely just keep themselves balanced. And at one moment, you, you kind of go, as a parent, you kind of stand there and go, like, come on, buddy, out here. And then they kind of reach out with one hand. They're like, I don't know if I trust you. And, and then they ask themselves a the question. Okay, you want me to move toward you on these two things? <laughs> like, I just don't know that these can take me to where you're going. And you're, as a good parent, you're going, come on, baby, let's do this. And, and, and you're wanting them to take that first step. And you know, once they get that momentum going, like, they can make more steps. Same is true in to ride a bike. Teach my kids now to ride bikes, and it's, it's hilarious. I mean, I'm getting a workout, holding to the back of the bike, running them back and forth up and down my street, like trying to help them. But there's a moment when you got there, you're going to release the seat, and that kid has to keep going. Now, as a parent, I still got to run and catch them because, in case they fall, right? So I'm, I've been doing like kind of these numbers, like grabbing a child as the bike falls to its doom. And, And at that moment, that kid has to go, okay, do I trust that daddy is knowing what I'm doing? Can I keep going even though this step actually feels terrifying? And for some of you, college may feel like that terrifying first step. That step for, as a freshman, when you're, when you're going off on your own and, and you're in this new place, am I, am I going to learn the things that I need to learn so I can make that next step that God has and my parents want me to make? As seniors, you're coming to the end of that time and you're going, do, am I going to take a job that, that leads to, to the, the hope, the future that I want? And that first step, that next step can actually be terrifying. The first step often feels like the hardest step. But that's exactly what Joshua pushes these men into. He takes two. He doesn't take 12. And he says, men, I want you to go and lead this people and by first seeing what this land is like. And so he sends them into Jericho, a fortified city in the middle of the, the nation of Israel. And the, the goal was to split the, the, the nation of Israel, the, the land of Canaan. The goal was to split the land of Canaan from north and south. And Jericho's right there in the middle. And he sends them in there to spy out the land. And those men walk in there. And really it's a repeat of what happened 40 years earlier. See Joshua had sent 12 men in. And only two came back with a positive report. One was Caleb and the other was Joshua. And this moment he's sending only two men in. To see what what the people will... How they will respond to the people that they see. See when they came back... 40 years previously, 10 men came back with a poor report. They didn't believe that God was actually opening up this land. They didn't believe that God was actually in this move. And so they came back with these ridiculous embellishments. They said these things of this moment. They said, however, the people in the land are strong. And the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The descendants of Anak were a mythical people that were believed to be tall and powerful they were like this mythical people but Caleb he stood up and said hey hey relax before Moses he says let us go up at once and occupy it Moses has guided us we're able to overcome it but then the rest of the 10 kind of chime in they're like no no no, no, no. <laughs> the land which you have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants it's like the ground opens up and swallows people you know, like we can't go there. It devours its inhabitants, and the people there are great height. We saw the Nephilim there. Who are the Nephilim? They're in Genesis chapter six. People that were destroyed by the flood. And they're like, no, no, they survived. They swam out of that moment, and and they're there. Like they are there. The ground eats people. Like the Nephilim who died are actually still there. There's giants in the land, and we are like grasshoppers to them. Like they're going to squash us like bugs. And to that fear, we see a wonderful moment when these men say, you know what, even though we know there's 40 years of fear in our past, we're going to take a step of faith this time. What's fascinating, though, is that God led them in a complete circle. You know why they waited 40 years? Because God was waiting for this previous unfaithful generation to die out. It's amazing when you're talking about a God who is um, who's infinite, Right? Who's not bound by time? If he doesn't believe, if you're not going to follow by faith, you know what he'll do in your life? He'll wait you out. And then he'll use your babies. (laughs) He's like, if you're not going to follow me, that's fine. I'll wait you out and I'll send in a new generation. And this new generation took the first step out. You see, oftentimes in life, when we don't follow God faithfully, when we don't step out with what he's asking us to do, you know what God will do? He'll wait on you, he'll just wait. And he'll bring that same circumstance again the next season so that you have to walk through it again. Some of you have experienced this in college, right? You thought, I don't want to take this class, but I have to take this class for my degree. And it wasn't a good semester for you in that class. And you sat down with your counselor at a point, and you said, is there any way that I can avoid this class for my future? And your counselor said, no, sir. You get to take that class again. Well, can I have a different professor? No, sir. We've got a professor for you that really wants you to take that class one more time. For others of you, it's, it's, it's these other moments of faith. You're like, okay, I, I want to try to walk with God, and, and, and he wants me to share my faith, and, and he puts a person in front of me that, hey, I want you to share your faith with that person, and you're like, oh, no, no, I don't really want to. And God's like, no, no, you, you need to share your faith. You need to take steps of faith. And you're like, I'm not going to. And, and God lets that person pass. And then several months later, you'll see that person again, and again, and again, and you're like, God, I don't want to take that step of faith, or maybe it's some sin struggle that you have, and you may be like, God, okay, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna conquer this sin, I'm gonna, I'm gonna live in freedom, and and you get some accountability around you, and it's really great. Those people are holding you accountable, and and then that same moment comes again when that same struggle hits you, and there's a reason for that, is because God wants to make you strong. And God does repeat after repeat so that you would be strong, men and women of faith, to walk with him. It's why kids learn through repetition. Like my kids, you you sing the ABC song again and again and again. Why? So it solidifies in their mind. God is like a good dad that wants to lead his kids to walk in faith. And so each time he'll lead you into the same moment again and again and again until you pass. For some of us, you begin to realize, okay, this fear I'm feeling isn't defeating. This fear I'm feeling to step out is because I need to trust God's direction. I need to trust that he's actually wanting me to take this step of faith. And when you do, when you take that next step, God moves in with a second great solution. He surrounds you with some amazing people beside you. God, when you take that step of faith, what's going to happen is God's going to bring people around you to help you continue walking to solidify your faith. And that's the next person he brings in. He brings in a woman who is basically of of very questionable circumstances. She was a prostitute. She was a prostitute in this community. And and, and the way Jericho worked is there was a, a large wall around the city that acted like a fortification of protection. And in the wall, there were many apartments that people all lived in. And and people would go frequently in this culture, in this day and age, to prostitutes um, for for kind of hide their way out and to kind of feel their way into that community. And and so these men probably went to this prostitute's house just hoping to escape notice. And so they walk into this woman's place and not expecting her to be on their side, not expecting anything from her, They were just hoping to be under the radar, but the king heard, and he sent men to to her house, and they start knocking on the door, and they're like, hey, there was two men that came in here. Did you see them walk through your doors? And what's amazing is her response. It says, verse 4, but the woman had taken the two men, and she had hidden them, and she said, true, the men came to me, but I didn't know where they were from, and when the gate was closed, close to being dark, the men went out. I did not know the men was there. Pursue them quickly. And she literally sends them on a hunt in an opposite direction. She protects these men, even though they had no idea what they were walking into. And this is so fascinating. The majority of the text, verses 2 all the way through verse 21, are all about the interaction of this woman and these men. See, when you're reading the Bible, you've got to look for what's... what what. Contains the majority of the text. And the majority of the text is really on this woman and her faith in a very dark place. See, in their culture, um, the, the land of Canaan was extremely dark and grotesque. I was reading several articles over this week talking about the land, the region of Canaan. What was considered normal worship for them. If you read in Leviticus 18, it describes the worship that was normal part of their course. In fact, Leviticus 18 starts with, hey, don't do, nation of Israel, what they did back in Egypt, and don't do what they're currently doing in Canaan. Well, what were they doing? Well, they were extremely sexually immoral. Basically, the sexual worship for them, going to, to worship, followed this one major god named Baal. And there were temple prostitutes to Baal. There was bestiality practiced in worship of Baal. It was an extremely grotesque situation. And not only did they worship um, sexually perverse ways, they o- offered their children in sacrifice to this God. And for over 400 years, God had let this play out. In Genesis chapter 15, God says, the, the sin of the Amalekites, the people living in Canaan, hasn't reached its full. And so from Genesis 15 until this moment in Joshua, about four to 500 years has passed where God let this community, let these people run their course And it was grotesque. It was was dark. And Rahab was was a member of that community. She was a prostitute. Likely a a temple prostitute. Who participated in this activity year after year. But there's something unique that happened with Rahab. She heard about the people of God. And that's what she goes on to say in this chapter. Verse 8, it says this. Now before the men laid down... She came up to them on the roof and said to them, men, now I know the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon all of us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we heard how the Lord dried up the water of the, of the Red Sea before you came to Egypt and when you, what you did to the kings of the Amor, Amorites before you came to the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is the God of heaven above and beyond the earth. And now, then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my Father's house. Isn't that amazing? This woman, who had never met these men, had never received a gospel presentation, all she heard is about these people escaping Egypt, parting the Red Sea, and the victory that they had brought, and immediately she becomes a woman of faith. Are there people that you think are beyond God's saving Are there people that you see their past, you see their circumstances, and it seems so far beyond the purposes of God. You think, there's no way God would reach them. There's no way God would would go that far to save that person. And I'll tell you what, you are missing the beauty of the grace of God. There's three things I want to show you about salvation. The first thing is this. Salvation has no limits. There is no one too far gone from God. There is no one that has done too many things, too many wrong things, that God wouldn't wrap his arms around them and bring them in. This woman, Rahab, is an example of an amazing grace of God that has come to this community and come to this woman. Secondly, this, salvation is God's goal. See, when God is bringing his people to this nation, he doesn't desire to kill and, and annihilate them. He wants them to come to a saving faith in him. And this woman shows that God actually is gracious. He is abounding in loving kindness. Second Peter 3 says it this way. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. See, God allows in his wisdom what he could easily prevent by his power. See, God allows people to run in sin, and there's a reason God allows that. He is hoping that a moment they will hear and respond in faith. God's goal is salvation. And thirdly, this, that saved people can play an amazing part in God's saving work. God's saved people can play an amazing part in God's saving work. You know what's fascinating about this woman who professes faith in this moment? Not only is she rescued, she makes promises with these men. Hey, will you protect me when y'all come into this place? And they say, yes, you bet we will. But not only is she saved from God's saving work in the world. God's saving work in the world. There's a part of the Bible that you probably skip over. They're called the genealogies. You're like, oh, the parts I skip, yeah, yeah. And the reason you skip them is because they're just named. It's like reading the Hebrew phone book. Like, I get it, right? It's, it's, it's not all that engaging, right? But there's only, in the, in the gospel of Matthew, at the very beginning, you look at the life of Jesus, and there's, there's three women mentioned in the book. There's three women mentioned. And so the book starts out with the book of the genealogy of Jesus, the Christ, son of David, son of Abraham, son of... It goes on, goes on, goes on, right? And then you get to this point in the story. Where it says, and Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab. And Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth. And Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David, the king. And Jesus is in the line of David. The third woman that's mentioned later on is, is Mary. You know what's fascinating about this woman from this dark past, she gets to be in the line of Jesus. She literally gets to help save people's lives by, by being in the line that the Son of God would come. How amazing is that? I mean, can you imagine that, that, that a person that's saved from a very, very dark circumstance could actually be part of the conduit of God's rescue mission to the world see God's goal is that you and I would literally play a part in his saving mission we would be people that are on the lookout saying okay I may be scared about walking into this new territory but I know God is rescuing people and I know God is rescuing people for a purpose he wants to have them play a part in his saving work in the world I remember several years ago, I've I've shared this story, but when I was in college, there was a guy who was in our our, our study group for one of my government classes. And he was the guy that didn't take notes, didn't pay attention, and always wanted to steal our notes and our information. And he did this like every exam we prepped for, and there came a moment when we were getting ready for the final that I actually had a conversation with the guy, and it, it turned out that he was actually a Jewish guy. And as we're having this conversation, he starts asking me all of these questions about Jesus. And I'm like... Yeah, he's son of God. He's great, yeah. And, and moving on, right? And I remember uh, after after that conversation, he says, hey, look, I want to know more about that Jesus. Give me a call, and, I'll, and I want to meet up and talk more about him. And I'm like, fine. But I lost the number, didn't pay attention. And the year ended. The semester ended. We took the final. And I didn't see him again. Two years later, I'm walking um, across the street, and I see across several lanes of traffic, he sees me and he's walking with another buddy and he goes, Kevin! And he literally darts across all of these lanes of traffic and comes over to me. I'm like, what are you doing? And he goes, he goes hey, how's it going? Hey, this is my buddy. And by this time, he was actually in law school. He goes, he goes hey man, hey, this is my buddy. Hey, um, remember that conversation we had a couple years ago about Jesus? Like, I got some more questions. We were reading in the book of Isaiah about the suffering servant. Would you, would you tell me about who this is talking about? Because we're arguing about it. They're both Jewish guys. And so I open up the Bible to Isaiah 53. And I'm like, yeah, so Jesus is actually the fulfillment of this prophecy. He is the suffering servant who, who died in our place for our sins. He's like, this is great. He gives me his number a second time. He says, here, give me a call. And I'd love to meet and talk more about this. I lost the number. A year later. I walk into a group of people that are all prepping um, to lead different ministries across campus. And there's all these kind of ministry leaders in this moment prepping to, to share the gospel with different pockets of campus. And I'm walking in the room, and I see Jewish guy. And I look over at him, and I'm like, Christians, you, like, what are you doing here? And I walk over, and he goes, I came to Christ six months ago. You blew it. I just couldn't even respond, you know? I was just like, mm. and then the meeting was starting. I went and sat down on my seat. We listened to all the thing, and I walked up, went to him afterward. He goes, he goes, look, man, I had all these questions about Jesus, and you didn't answer them. He says, so eventually God sent another person along the way, and now I'm in law school trying to reach Jewish law students with the gospel. I'm like, idiot. You see, no one is too far gone. No one is too far from the grip of God. And you'd be amazed about the people that want to respond to the gospel. They may literally be knocking on their, your door. They may literally be giving you their phone number, right? And, and not in a creepy way. Like it, may, like it, it may literally be people that just want to help Understand so that they could be a part of what God is doing. And I'll tell you what, you've got to know these pieces of salvation. There's no limits. Salvation is God's goal. And that these people, when they're saved, they can play a part in God's saving work. And these men were recipients of the work of this woman. And so she hid them, sent out the people. Then she brought these, she came back to these men and said, okay, they've left. Now you've got to hop down the wall and head back. And so the men, receiving this amazing gift from this woman, hop out of that place and they run back to Joshua. In chapter 2, verse 22, it says this. Now they departed and went into the hills and remained there three days until the pursuers returned. And the pursuers searched all along the way and found nothing. Then the two men returned, and they came down from the hills and passed over and came to Joshua the son of Nun, and they told him all that had happened to them. And they said to Joshua, Truly the Lord has given all this land into our hands, and also all the inhabitants of the land melted away because of us. You see the difference? These men went in expecting, they were fearful, And God in his grace, he gave him just this one woman. This one woman to say, Hey, you know what? I'm I'm working in this place. I'm leading you into this place. And you know what they did? They ran back and shouted the glories of God. They did. They ran back to Joshua and like, you would not believe what happened. We were going in this place. They got hit. It was a prostitute's place. Wait a minute. You went where? No, no, she's awesome. She loves Jesus. And, and, and we came back and, and, and we're all safe and everything's good. And they're just like, God is leading us here. See, it was a simple step of faith that God says, that's what I'm talking about. You take those simple steps and I'll pave the way. You take those simple steps of faithfulness and obedience and look at the people I'm going to put beside you to confirm my work. You do it and then you go celebrate with the people around you what God has done. See, that's what we're meant to do. You went to the Aggie football game on Thursday, did you not? Now when you were sitting in those stands did you sit passively? Did you go, "Hmm, it seems we've scored another one. Beautiful." Didn't didn't expect that touchdown to go. Oh. Oh, we're at 40 points. Oh, wonderful. Um I think the boys are doing well this year. Like are you responding in that way? No. Like how are you responding? You are looking for every opportunity to give encouragement, are you not? Like when they make a tackle, you're just like, that's what I'm talking about, right? When, when they make a, a, a reception, you're like, that's right. And when they miss something, you're just like, all right, boys, we got it, we got it. Get in there, right? Like you know that your shouting and celebrating actually is inspiring to everyone else. It's why when people come to visit Texas A and M, they literally bring them. Hey, you've got to come to a football game. Yeah, there's other stuff at the university. You've got to come to a game, and then you sit there beside people, and and they put legs around you, and they start sawing things, and you're just and you're like, like even if you're passive, as soon as you get in those moments, you're like, I, I'm inspired, right? Like you just. There's something better about being in this community because all these people shouting and celebrating towards one great end, you're like, I, I'm so glad I'm here and a part of this. And I'll tell you what, that is the community God is building. He is building a community of people that take steps of faith. People that look out and say, hey, God's saving people and, 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 and salvation is coming literally to anyone and everyone. And then we get to come back together and shout and celebrate the great things God has done. And that's exactly what these men are doing. God is in this thing. And let me tell you what, God is doing something here in this thing. One year ago, last week, one of, a guy walked up to me, and, and, and his name's Micah. He walked up to me and he said, Kevin, I just want to tell you, this marks one year for me walking into the doors of Great Southwood. And when I came here a year ago, I was an agnostic at best, almost an atheist. He's like, I didn't expect to believe anything that you were talking about. I didn't believe in Jesus. I didn't believe in the Bible. And I came in there and sat through that service, and I was like, okay, maybe I'm going to listen a little bit more. He says, I came week after week, and I came to faith. And now I'm a leader with you guys. Yeah, he's a leader with us. Because God took this guy and said, no, 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 I've, I've got more things for you. And not only do I have more things for you, I want you to be a part of bringing the gospel to saving others. You may not know why you're here this morning, but let me tell you, God does. And I don't know where you are in the spectrum of like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm all in on what God is doing, or I'm just kind of feeling it out. But I'll tell you what, God is in control of your life and destiny. He wants to save you through the work of his son, Jesus Christ. And he wants you to play a part in the saving work of others. And then when we come together, we celebrate. We celebrate the salvation of what God has done. I want you to be a part of that. I want us to be a part of that because that is what brings most glory to God. That's when faith gets fun. When you see God working in the lives of people right now in this transition moment the band is going to come up and I want to do something I want you guys to go and stand up as we respond in salvation <laughs> res- to God's salvation of us that he's picking people that he's inspiring people and that he's sending people to, to share his faith and at this moment actually the, the table hosts are going to start exiting as soon as the music starts but I want you in this moment to to connect with God that you would respond in worship to the things that God has done in your life and and maybe just maybe there are people around you that have not yet met Jesus and so they're in your classes they're in the the organization that you're a part of and I would like you as you sing songs about the, the saving work of Jesus you would also sing songs praying for those people that are yet reached by Jesus pray for us Lord thank you so much for your word and I thank you that you have led us to this place to be encouraged but also to play a work in your saving work and Lord I thank you so much for a woman like Rahab who probably looked at her own life and said there's no way God would want to save me or rescue me but by your grace you save all of us we're all not who we should be We've made decisions in our lives that have led us far from you. But you, by your grace, are rescuing people. I thank you, Lord, that you've rescued me. And Lord, I pray that as we we sing songs to you, we bring to mind people's lives who we can impact.